Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. I'm Antonio, and this is episode 94, I think. <laughs> 94, I'm pretty sure. I just checked it, and of course I just forgot, but I'm sure it's 94. For the, uh, well, I'm going to say the end of March, because it is the end of March and the beginning of April. Uh, I'm putting this out right at the edge of the end of the month. So, yeah, you know, some of you are going to get it tomorrow morning. Uh, I don't know if anybody will get it today. It's <laughs> Sunday, March 31st, uh, as I'm recording this. And so, you know, but technically I'm getting it in at the end of the month. Anyway, enough of that. <laughs> How are you all doing? We're uh, beginning to get into uh, springtime, which is always a great time to photograph in the city. I tend to... Uh, try to make my way over to one of the gardens and, and I love to photograph uh, springtime in the gardens but even just in the neighborhoods that I live in there's a lot of uh, great um, plantings that go on people have cherry trees everywhere and stuff like that so I'm really looking forward to that uh, we had a you know a mildish winter for us uh, and so but I'm I'm done with cold weather I just I don't know about you guys but you know and I know some of you guys up north you guys had it really bad. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just like, you know, realizing just the, the craziness of the weather these days. And so, you know, what I get here doesn't mean that you guys, you know, get every place else. And so vice versa as well. So, um, yeah, you know, hopefully we're making it out of this uh, hibernation and uh, coming back into the, you know, longer days of, uh, you know, summer and stuff like that. And so, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, I am in another uh, mood of just talking to you guys. I don't have anybody planned, um, but I have a couple of things on my mind and I wanted to bounce it off of you, and I'll see how far we go before I get uh, <laughs> start repeating myself. Hopefully I won't do that. Um, but one of the things is a really loud car engine. <laughs> I wanted you to hear that. Um, one of the things is I just had one of my street photography classes yesterday at the place I work at brick. And I, I don't know if anybody you know, like how many of you know, I'm teaching street photography classes in, in Brooklyn. I don't know how many of you know that or not. I, I know I've mentioned it before. Uh, and the, the class is generally once a month. Um, and, uh, it, it, it's an interesting class because it's, it's a three hour class, right? And I, I need to structure it in such a way that the people who come into the class get hopefully get something from it. Now, I'm not there to teach them how to use their cameras. I'm not there to teach them like the the whole behind the scenes of photography because uh, frankly that I can't do that in three hours. You know, everybody comes in with a different camera. Some people don't come with cameras at all. They come with with iPhones. Uh, and right off the bat, I try to gently and nicely tell them it's not a technical class. You know, I might talk about some technical things in terms of, you know, creating street photography because there are obviously some things that you need to, you know, that I want them to know in order to, to help them create the shots. But I got three hours and it's not a lot of time to try to like take, you know, a, a career's worth of photography um, that I've got and, and distill it down into three hours. And so the way I've structured it is that, you know, I first get it to know everybody. Usually the class is about, uh, it's between, it's up to eight people. I think, I don't know if we have 10, I think eight people. Eight, it's mainly based on the room that I'm allowed to be in because uh, I'm in this little conference room and I think there's only eight seats in there. So I, I've only had the, 
like a full house a couple of times in the in the few years that I've been teaching this. And, and you know, it's for many reasons. First of all, the class uh, what's nice about the class for people who are taking it is because Brick is a nonprofit. They don't charge a lot of money for the class. Uh, Twenty bucks per person. Uh, and, you know, if I get a class of like two people, or something like that, you know, it's like they're not making any money on this. What they do is they they charge people to take classes at Brick in general. And they have other classes there. Very. They, they charge a very low amount. Uh, they just charge an amount of money so that people come there to take it seriously. Right. So this is a, a, a token gesture. Um, but, you know, up to up to eight people uh, come into the class and I've got three hours and you know, what do I teach them for street photography? Really, what am I going to do? So I, I structured it so that I get to know the people at the beginning. We all sort of sit down and I, I go around, of course, and make, you know, ask their names and how they got into photography. And then I ask them why they get into street photography, like why specifically this class? And I get a myriad of answers. Like sometimes people are like, well, you know, I just want to know how to, you know, use the camera better and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I try to put a give them a positive spin on it because, you know, I, you know, as much as I want everybody who come to that class to be like, I want to become a street photographer. I want to learn more about street photography. People are just, you know, they see the class description and see photography and they're because they're there in a learning capacity. They want to learn anything about photography. So I'm very encouraging of that, you know, and I'm like, you know, I'm not saying, well, this is just a street photography class. I'm not here to teach you how to, I, I don't do that. I do give them the sort of caveat that we're not going to go into technical stuff because I only got three hours. Everybody comes in with different cameras and, you know, I can't really spend a lot of time on individual, you know, lessons and people to learn their cameras. Plus, I don't know every single camera that comes in and you know, I got to sit there and get oriented. I mean, I, I know the Canons, I know the Nikons, I know the Fujis, but Sony's are always crazy because they've got weird menus and Panasonic's and and so it, it would just spend too much time. But anyway, I go around and ask each one of them. And then I say, why street photography? And like I said, I'll get an answer. Like, I want to learn photography. Some people are like, you know, I want to go out in the street. And I live in New York and I want to take pictures. Or some people will say things like, I'm going, you know, I'm going on a trip. And I want to be able to sort of look at things differently. And I thought, that's great. What a great answer that is. And it's a great reason to come and take street photography. Um, but, you know, ultimately I say to them, you know, also, you know, you know, street photography isn't just something that you do in the street. I say, can you do that in, you know, Idaho on a farm? And, and people look at me sideways. I'm like, yeah. And they'll, someone will say, yeah. You say, yeah, street photography, you can do that. Street photography is not relegated to just the streets of Brooklyn, <laughs> you know, for that matter. And you don't have to be on the streets. So anyway, you know, we get into that. And then I've got to structure the class. Okay, I got three hours, and, and I tend to work myself. I work my way backwards in time because I have three hours, and like say the class yesterday was from ten thirty to one thirty, so I want to leave the last half an hour for uh, us to be able to look at pictures, and then be also be able to uh, show them if they're wanting to see how I process a picture because I always tell them that the picture that just comes out of the camera is not necessarily always the one you want to show. I mean, I think part of you know, expressing yourself is being able to process the picture and, and, and create what you want to create in the image. You know, I said, you know, I also say we're not we're not necessarily documentary, you know, uh, documentary photo photographers here of taking documentary pictures. You know, street photography could be a subset of that. But, you know, we we can come here and we can express ourselves. And so I, I leave like the last half hour. Oh, I mean, like one of the things I want to do with the with the uh, students is for those of them who are, you know, I want to say brave enough, but are willing to like take their, pop their card out of their camera, pop it into my computer and I can start, we can start looking at what they shot. 
I actually get a lot of photographer, a lot of the students wanting to do that, which is really great. It's kind of a brave thing to do. Now I say it's brave because, you know, you don't want everybody to see you know, your what you might consider your failures. Right? And, I, and I always start as the example because I always start showing, we'll, you know, I'll show the pictures that I took during our photo walk. And I'm usually not one to also show my raw pictures, but, you know, what the heck? I, I don't have anything to lose, and it's really for the class. So anyway, I, I leave a half an hour for that. And so then I work my way backwards again from that. And I give, my, I give ourselves 45 minutes to an hour to do a photo walk. Actually, a couple of classes ago, I, I mistimed everything, and we only had about a half an hour. And that was not enough time to go out and photograph. So I try to leave 45 minutes to an hour. So that leaves me the rest of the time here. That's an hour and a half, right? So that leaves me roughly an hour and a half to do the rest of the stuff, to talk to them. And usually I start a little bit later because I try to leave some time for people always come in late. Uh, and so I, I try to um, uh, give them a presentation that a, is not going to put them to sleep. <laughs> right. But I got to do it. I got to be able to show them pictures. I got to be able to show them um, some examples of, uh, you know, photographers who inspired me. Right. And so I give a smattering. I can only do a smattering. Uh, then, um, you know, some, some old, older photographers, you know, uh, some of the masters and some of the new photographers who I found, you know, via social media and some friends. And again, it's a quick little sampling. Um, and then I go through the, uh, you know, my stuff, of course, I show them my work. And so you say, I always say like, so that you can see I'm not a fraud. I know what I'm talking about. And that's always tricky because I, I, I have like a set amount of pictures that I show and lately I've been editing them down for, for time purposes, but, I, and I've also been changing them up because I've been starting to make new pictures. I thought, wow, these are great. Let me show these instead of these other ones, you know, but I have sort of like a standard set of pictures to show them. And then I go into like the, the practical stuff, like the tips and stuff, all the stuff that I could figure out, um, that I've learned over the course of my time shooting in the street and even just in general in photography and what I can distill to them in this really sort of rapid fire method. Right. And it's not perfect. Right. You know, it's it's an hour and a sh hour and 15 minutes of talking. You know, they ask questions during it as well. So that's great. Uh, I try to get it through it quickly, but, you know, succinctly so that they're understanding stuff. And my goal is to get their eyes sort of oriented into what I'm talking about. But three hours is not enough to talk about street photography. I mean, the whole history of street photography is like, you know, you can barely get through one photographer in three hours, right? And uh, I don't want to do that. I want to bore them. And, and that we have to have a component of going outside and, and, and taking pictures. But you know what? Let, let's say it's like a taster, not even a flight. <laughs> it's like a taster. You get one sip of, you know, street photography in this class and, and either you want to go further or, or you don't, you know, or you go into another class. And I've been really trying to get the place that I work at to try to at least extend it into a two-class session, whether it's one, you know, two days in a row or one every other week or something like that. So then I can do a shorter presentation, perhaps, and then leave them to go out and do a project. You know, we can go out and do a shoot and then also come back a week later with a project and then, you know, go over the pictures and then and then maybe finish the presentations like that. So it would be over a course of time, which I think it'd be better because I'd love to be able to send them out and have them do things, uh, take in what I've taught or talked to them about and then come back with, with some stuff. 
So, uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, and then so I do this talk and then I, I always say like, you know, at the beginning, I said, I'm going to talk to you for a little while and get your eyes oriented. And just before you fall asleep, <laughs> we're going to go out and take pictures. And I do the class slightly differently. You would think that as a photo walk, we'd all go out together. And I decided that I didn't want to do that, mainly because, again, I got this short period of time and I, I and we, we're in a in the downtown area of Brooklyn. So there's a lot to see. And I didn't really want to have like a whole little gaggle of people walking around. And actually when you do a photo walk, it takes a long time. You know, if you have a bunch of people, you can go two blocks and it would take an hour. So uh, what I want to do is to see all the different people go out and like see what they distilled from what I talked to them uh, about street photography and photography in general, and then like send them off on their own, and then have them come back, right? And so we're all out taking different pictures and different viewpoints. And that's where, like, I want to, at the end, get as many people as possible to pop in the card to the computer and show everybody what they saw. Because then it's like you've got these multiple eyes going around and seeing things. And I found that, that I know that could be like people want to go out together and they want to be led by the photographer. And, you know, if I really had more time... I would consider that as one of the things to do is go out as a group and start pointing stuff out to people. But again, I got three hours. And so I want to really distill it. And I want to get as many eyes on the world as possible. So I've chosen to do that. And it seems to work out. I get people who are saying that I like doing that. And what's really fun is when they come back and seeing all the pictures, all the things that they were seeing that, they gleaned from what I was talking about. So, you know, again, a lot of them are students and they're, they're all doing these things, maybe some of them for the first time. But when you see, when I see one of their shots, they're like, I see what you were going for, right? And everybody else in the class sees that as well, you know? And they might even get applause. I had one, I had one uh, student put up a picture and I, I can't for the life of me remember what it was. But even I looked at it, I'm like, wow, you've, you did this for the first time and they were like, yeah, that wasn't the way I was thinking. But, you know, after after listening, this is what, you know, listening to the presentation, this is what I saw. And the rest of the students applauded. And I was like that for me made me feel so happy and amazing. It was an amazing experience and it was exactly what I could do. But again, it was um, a three hour class and that's the best I can do. And, then, uh, you know, I'm willing to, you know, um, maybe adjust a little bit so maybe there's a little bit less talk and stuff like that. But it's really hard. Three hours goes by like that. <laughs> you know, I'm just like clicking my fingers. Three hours goes by like that. So what I wanted to get into, of course, that was a f like a bit of an intro about my class, is uh, what it got me thinking about was how people are learning photography today. Right. And so, again, like I said, I, I go around and ask them at the beginning, well, how are they getting into photography? And all people get their cameras from their uncles. And, you know, you know, some people, some people, very few people have had like the camera all their life. And uh, it, it's the way things are now. People who don't go to school for photography. Um, they do things like this, take a class like this. And so I always I, I was thinking yesterday, it's like, you know, comparing myself because I'm an old school photographer and and these people now. What's the difference? What 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 is what is happening in the world of learning photography? You know, and uh, like for me, okay. So my story is, and you've probably heard this before. I 
I just sort of, I don't want to say I fell into this. Um, you know, I always had a camera. I grew up in a, in a household where my mom worked in the movie industry. My dad was a photographer. Now my dad split before I really spent a lot of time with him as a photographer, but like, you know, one of my first cameras was a Polaroid land camera. And it was a lot of like, I, I guess I just had it, you know, in me to want to be able to like take pictures and look at photography and stuff like that. Cause just of how I'm growing up. And, you know, moving on from a land camera to an Instamatic and then my dad saying, you got to, you know, and then, oh, getting a movie camera because I also love to do movies and then and then trading that in for a Pentax Spotmatic. I don't know. I'm dating myself here, but that was the camera that I had. And my dad telling me I had to go buy the camera here and then I would go to his friend's house to uh, his friend's studio to to learn how to process it. And then, uh, you know, having that like sort of slow gradual learning process and again from people i knew to then you know uh doing it on my own and and working in my school paper and then going to high school for photography and then going to college for photography and then getting work in a photo agency you can kind of see it's a gradual incline you know to where i am now so anything you know if i go and i learn something new about photography my learning uh, curve is very, very slight. It's, it's, uh, it's not steep at all. Right. But I'm looking at the students that are coming into the class today. And a lot of them had these, you know, even though we all have had cameras, everybody's had cameras and now we all have them because of our phones and stuff like that. But suddenly a lot of people are having these, um, intensely, uh, complicated devices plopped on their laps and they're being told, quote unquote, that you need to learn this really hard gear and then you need to be cr creative with it. Right. And, you know, the, the thought process that was going through my mind, like, you know, for me, it was like, OK, I, you know, it was like learning how to drive a go kart. Right. And, then <laughs> you know, or then ride a bike and then, you know, learn how to drive a car and then maybe work my way up into a, I, I don't, I'm just using this as a metaphor, but learning my way up into a, like a race car, you know, and then, you know, um, this is going to be a bad example, <laughs> but like, you know, Formula One, like, I, you know, these drivers, these guys who are uh, people who are driving these very sophisticated race cars around tracks, have been doing it for a very, very long time, right? And now it's like, uh, with these new photographers, they're like being plopped into a NASCAR, right? And they're told to race the Daytona 500 and, and do it with style, right? <laughs> and I mean that in the sense of, you know, you have a camera, uh, uh, a Nikon or a Fuji dropped on your lap, right? With manuals that are thick as Bibles, right? And you're told to learn all this stuff. You need to figure out how to use the gear. And then on top of that, you need to be creative, right? And then you're doing this without any kind of formal education. Now you're doing, you know, people are going to YouTube, they're coming to my class, they're doing other classes, right? And they're getting these little bits and pieces of learning, right? And they're not having a, a, a steady gradual learning. Now I'm being very general about this and I'm painting the whole thing with a wide brush. I'm, there's going to be a lot that I'm not covering and I'm, there's going to be a lot of people who are falling into like learning it really um, on a, in a, in a uh, concentrated way. You know, I'm not saying go to school, but like, you know, reading this book and, 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 and learning this camera specifically and spending a lot of time with it and going out and doing projects and making that learning curve very, very shallow. Um, 
that's not a lot of what I'm seeing. A lot, you know, and again, I only have a test test sampling of people coming to my class, but I've got other people I've seen in in the place that I work at, and and both for you know uh, photography and video, and they are coming in and they have oh I mean here here's an example because I ended up working on TV right. I had to go in and learn how to use this camera and these these cameras. And that was like, I mean, I knew how to use video cameras, but suddenly I'm like, I'm plopped on this camera. It's a very expensive, you know, studio camera. And A, I got to learn how to use it. And B, I got to be able to create shots with it where the director will take it. And that's a very, very, very hard thing to do. Now, I had people around me to help. Right. And so in a sense, I was kind of like a pr being an apprentice. I was getting paid for it, but I was being an apprentice. And, and a, the, the curve was a little steeper with learning, you know, something that I'm not used to. I mean, learning, you know, television, video cameras was a lot different than still photography. But because I'm already having a gear background, it wasn't that steep, but it was different, you know. And, you know, I'm looking at these students. And, uh, the, I had four students, four students yesterday, right? Each one had a different camera. One person didn't have a camera. They had an iPhone, which was great. I was like, you know, we can work on it. So some things won't apply, but some things will. And, you know, one person had a Nikon. Uh, actually, and two people had Canon cameras, and I had my Fuji cameras, of course. And I'm looking at these things, and I'm like, it's, it's, it's occurring to me that these are incredibly sophisticated devices for these people to have, right? And then they got to look at my presentation and then try to figure out how are they going to make good street photography on top of, you know, working their cameras. And so this learning curve for them is really, really steep. And... You know, my class is sort of coming in in left field, right? It's not a, a full semester of street photography. In fact, I, gee, I, that would be really kind of cool to do a, like a full semester of street photography and stick with the same people over and over again, right? I, I, I really would love to do that. And I don't know if people have, you know, people these days don't have time for that. But, you know, if you're really wanting to learn something, you know, you make the time for it. People come and learn, you know, all sorts of things. They go to cooking school, right? And, uh, after work and, and learn how to do all these kind of things. And so I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I mean, we've got classes at the place I work at that, that do go over time. But, um, you know, this idea of like street photography, how do you do that in three hours? It, it's almost impossible. And I'm not complaining. You know, I'm very happy to have the class and uh, and whatnot. Um, but what I'm more thinking about is in terms of from the student's point of view, the person who wants to learn their point of view, they drop into a street photography class, then they go to a how to learn your DSLR class, then they go to some other class, maybe about learning how to do Lightroom, and all these little parts that need to sort of come together as a whole. And I think that's where people are, are you know, can get stuck is because you don't have a consistency throughout, you know, uh, and there's something good when you're learning to have some sort of consistent, uh, let's say an instructor or theory or, or, you know, curriculum that you can go back to. It gives you this sort of, um, foundation to start with and, and then, then, then move away from it as, as you grow, you know? And, uh, I, I was really feeling for, um, not the group that I just had, but in general, I've got students who like have to sit there and try to master their camera. And then they have to try to figure out how to make a picture that they can show everybody and, and please everybody. I mean, that is really, really hard. And so, I, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this other than a, a call to actually, you know what I'm really curious about if, you know, if people who are listening to this could share how they learn photography and how they were able to keep 
consistent learning going? Like, how do you do that? Do you follow one person on YouTube? I mean, it could be a good person, a not so good person, but you have a consistency and a, a, someone who keeps posting stuff and, and you learn from them. And, you know, you're, you're obviously learning one style of, uh, you know, through one photographer, what they're talking about. And that can be a good thing and a bad thing. But then, like, you know, when you figure out you're able to move away from that, do you move away from that? Do you stick with one person? Do you read a lot of books? Uh, or do you really just sort of pick this up piecemeal? And uh, again, I'm, I'm coming from this, like for me, I didn't pick it up piecemeal. You know, when I went to school for photography, it was mainly because like I realized I could do this well. I knew how to do this, you know, because I'd already been doing it for a while. So by the time I got to, I think when it was, uh, where was it? High school, right? My high school was ninth. I uh, would go. Uh, I'm going to get this, the grades wrong. We did. I had junior high school from seventh, uh, right. Seventh grade, eighth grade, and ninth grade. And the people call it intermediate school. Um, but, uh, mine was junior high school. So seven, eight, nine. And then uh, high school was 10, 11, 12. So I know some people have four years of high school, two years of intermediate school. Mine was a little bit different. So in seventh, eighth, and ninth grade is about the time when I started getting really serious in photography. And, uh, you know, I was doing it in my school, you know, doing the school uh, news, uh, not the newsletter, what is it, the yearbook once. Uh, not all the pictures, but some of the pictures. But that's when I was going to the uh my my father's friend's studio all the time after after school i would go there not every day but like days that i could i'd go there i'd go there on the weekend uh those guys gave me access to the space and i would get into the dark room when they weren't using it and i learned and learned so by the time i came to going to pick my high school like there was really only one high school i was going to go to and this was the uh, high school of art and design which was a trade school and it's because i knew like I was confident enough and uh, I knew that it wasn't going in blind. Like I knew photography and, and then it, then it just kept going from there. Like by the time I got to college, I was like, well, I'm going to do, go to a photography college and which one is available in New York. And there were, there was a few art schools, but school of visual arts is really the one that sang to me. And so my learning curve getting into that was kind of gradual. And then while I was in, college as I got a job at a stock photo agency and you know that also the learning curve there was low so it really kept it low and low and low and and it, and it really I had a foundation to build on every time I moved on to something new uh, and it was like there was consistency in it and I'm not saying that one is better than the other I I'm just saying this is how I moved along in in the world of photography and I'm really curious about what it's like for people to not have that experience. They still want to be involved in photography. They still want to become photographers. They want to just not create like one-time hero kind of pictures, which we all do. You know, you're like, hey, take this great shot and maybe post it on Instagram or make a print from it, and it makes a lot of big deal. But like this idea of being consistent, like I want to make good work all the time and keep doing it. And I want to maybe not be a professional. You know, I mean, the idea of a professional is someone who can make great work, you know, on a moment's notice. Uh, I'm not saying that, but, you know, some amateurs, you know, amateur photographers are as are as dedicated and, and as work hard as as professionals. So um, I'm just talking about that kind of work, like how how do people get to uh, rise to the point where they are um, happy enough and, and confident enough in their work to 
be able to call themselves a photographer and how do you how do they get there is it is it these little pockets of information uh, does that work really well? Does a consistent, consistent learning work better? Uh, I'm really curious because it just, again, like I said, it was just looking at these, you know, my class yesterday, and it wasn't this specific class. It's just in general, you know, what's it like to like learn little bits in, at a time? Um, my my thought process, my my opinion is, you you're gonna have a hard time retaining that because you've got these little uh, bits of information, these little tastes of everything. And uh, I know that, uh, you know, the one time I went to a wine tasting and it was great during that time. And, I, you know, the, the person there was telling us about the wines and the flavors and all the things to look at wine. And I, I learned a lot in that class. And there's some stuff that I remember. But now, I you know, I still pick up a bottle of wine. I'm like, oh, you know, it tastes good. I like it, you know, and, and that's about the extent of my learning. Uh, you know, I, I look at the legs of the wine, you know, when you spin the glass around, you get these little drips coming off the side, but I'm not sure what it's telling me. It's not the, the language of wine doesn't speak to me. <laughs> and it's cause I didn't consistently do it. I didn't, I went to one class, I think, and, and I learned a little bit and it was fun. You know, it was great. And I'm not sure I necessarily want to spend time learning about wine. If I did, I think I would want to go to classes and, and consistently learn it. So anyway, that was just one thing I was thinking about uh this week and it just popped up in my head and i thought i would share it with you guys the next thing that came up uh in the past few weeks that i wanted to just sort of bounce off you guys um this is coming from uh, a lot of my discussions with the uh some of my uh, photographer friends on a collective that I'm part of. It's not a public collective yet. Um, we're going to go public really soon. Uh, once we get the website together and we get some articles up, um, uh, keep your ears out for that. Uh, but something that we were talking about on our group there and, you know, a couple of um, podcast and blog entries that also popped up about um, not always creating new work. Now, I want, I want to give some credit to my friend uh, Dave Swiduck, who um, I want to say first brought this up, but one of his blog entries, and I'll, I'll put a link in the, in the show notes. Uh, his blog entry was, uh, let me read the title here, Looking Back on Missed Creative Opportunities. And I also want to talk about uh, a podcast, which I think you guys should listen to and subscribe to, um, on uh, website lenswork.com and the the uh, podcast is called Lenswork with uh, Brooks uh, Jensen and they're really short little podcasts they're like less than something between 8 and 10 or 12 minutes right and uh, they are really really great little pockets but anyway he talked about let me find the episode here uh he did it for the middle of March. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, his episode 1149, is called new is not only new, excuse me, new is not always necessary. So both Dave and, uh, Brooks are, are talking about, um, you know, this idea that we're constantly trying to, or as photographers, we're constantly trying to create new work every single day or whenever, New, 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 more, more, more. And now we've got the complications of, or, you know, we've had these uh, 
social networks like Instagram and Flickr and Facebook and Twitter where you're constantly pouring out new work to show the world. Uh, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes on an hourly basis. I don't know how often people post. And, uh, you know, I uh, have this sort of mixed relationship with social media and putting out new work. And, and um, I find, uh, you know, at the, at the point when we started talking about this in our collective and this podcast came out and, and, and Dave's article came out, this idea that, you know, we're, um, well, I'm going to talk about me, that I'm going kind of, uh, let us say this. Try is not the word. It's I reaching this saturation point of how how can I keep doing this? How can I keep coming up with new pictures every single day? It it it's almost impossible. Now again, you, as I was talking about, sort of in the first half, you know my sort of background in photography, and I came from film. You know, and when you shoot film, even in the old days when film was cheap you tended not to shoot tons of pictures, uh, mainly because you were restricted by the amount of film in the camera, and not to mention that each roll costs money. But, you know, you kind of looked at a subject and you said, you know, you moved around and you took a couple pictures and you say, like, I think I'm done with that, you know? And and then you would wait some time to process the pictures. And so you had sort of this built-in delay. Now, this would be different if you were a commercial photographer, and I'm not talking about commercial photography that much. And with commercial photography, you're always, you're you're always you're working for someone, and therefore you have to create new pictures on on demand. You know, maybe not on a daily basis, but on demand. But for a lot of us who are not doing as much, we're not doing commercial work, or maybe we're doing fine art, or we're just involved in Instagram, and and then we're surrounded with cameras. You carry a camera around with you every day with your phone might carry your other camera with you every day and and it's so much easier to take a picture right you take a picture you plug the card in you look in your computer or you download it to your phone and you got a place to put it you know instagram facebook wherever and you're done and the machine of this system seems to require uh this ongoing flow of imagery right this this consistently making new things and new things and so I look at my my Lightroom library that I've got on my main computer. Uh, so it's my archives, and these are my digital archives, and I'm running at about three quarters of a million imagery uh, images. Now, not every single shot is a separate picture, meaning it's not, you know, some unique shot because that would be insane. I don't think I could possibly. I don't think in a lifetime anybody could produce you know, three quarters of a million unique individual pictures. So a lot of it are, you know, it's got raw and JPEGs. A lot of them are similar shots, you know, of exploring things. I tend not to delete pictures, which was probably a bad idea to the from the get-go, right? But uh, it now it's gotten to the point where if I have to delete pictures, it takes a lot of time for me to do that when I'm going through my, my uh, you know, in, importing my pictures. And I, I just... These days, I don't have leisure time to go and delete things. And so, frankly, it's just a little bit easier to keep the pictures. So not every shot on there is a, is a keepable image. But it's a lot of, lot of information, right? And on a daily basis, uh, you know, I walk around and I try to take a picture every day, right? Something new. And, and lately, it's been, you know, uh, my days are kind of repetitive, like so many other people, you know, uh, who have cameras and have daily lives and are not, you know, working on a uh, not working photographers. Right. Uh, who have to create new 
different pictures every day. We just sort of have our sort of daily grind, our Groundhog Day like thing. And uh, I'm I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I there's no way I can create a new picture every day. It's just it's becoming, you know, at some point this this endless tedious thing of having to, in my mind, having to uh, come up with new ideas every single day. And it, it, it doesn't work. It's not sustainable. I don't think it's not. It's sustainable uh, as a, as a, you know, uh, a fine art photographer might be, or, you know, a street shooter or, or, or anything. Um, you might be able to do it in bursts, I think, but to maintain something new every day is just impossible. And both Brooks and, 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 and Dave are talking about like, look, you know, uh, especially someone like me who's been shooting for a very long time. Look, there are, there are, pictures that that you've taken over the course of time that you may have just stored away and you haven't looked at them in perhaps many years or many months or how whatever the time period is and and those are you know brooks was talking about in his show that you can start finding like projects that you weren't even aware that you were making in your archives and you start finding like the idea of being able to look through your work in the past and seeing common themes starting to come out. And I think Dave talks about this as well. Uh, and, and even in a sense, getting ex- inspired by your old work, you know, is something that we don't often do. And it's not, I want to say it's not encouraged, but sort of the system that is set up now is a lot of like new, 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 new. And this is not just with photography, by the way, you know, there is a, I don't know. I mean, this may be a sort of a, kind of a weird tangent but you know i was just watching the other day uh, is uh, a lawrence of arabia right uh brilliant brilliant movie could never be made today right uh i mean this is an old film you know this is an old classic and we there's just no way that anybody would make this movie today because it takes a very long time to watch there's an intermission you know and today we're all used to these like new fast cuts and everybody like there's there's just no time and there's something to be said about going back and, and, and looking at classics, classic anything, artwork, paintings, movies, music, whatever it is. And if it's your own work, it's even better. But to get inspired by something from the past. Right. And, you know, I think now going back to the movie thing, we there's this machine that's called Hollywood that is constantly needing to produce new work all the time now that's turned into a business and so this idea that you need to keep creating new work throwing new work you know to basically throw movies onto the wall and seeing what sticks right and you will get the blockbusters correct like you'll get uh uh i don't know captain marvel's a recent you know movie that's making a lot of money i'm not saying anything bad about it and i haven't seen it yet and i really want to see it but it falls into that category of a movie that is perhaps in some way formulaic, right? Um, superhero film and got a lot of special effects and it's going to make a lot of money, right? And a movie like Lawrence Arabia, when it came out, I'm sure it's a, it was a different time when it came out in the early 60s. They didn't have the internet and there wasn't a lot of TV. And so a movie like that would generally become something very special, but it would play in the movie for, you know, in the theater for a very long time. But, uh, you know, back then there was just not, well, uh, I'm going to get a little wrong here. We're making, there's making a lot more movies today and a lot more uh, is being pushed through the system and there's a lot more junk in, in general. 
Although there was a lot of junk in the past. I just think there was a lot less of it, right? And there's a lot more of it now. But that's an opinion. You know, people might push me on that. That's fine. I just think there's a lot of junk out there that is not, that won't last, you know? I mean, you look at a movie like Lawrence of Arabia and that movie lasts. It's uh, in some sense timeless. You know, you can look back at it now. You can watch it now. I mean, they may not be able to make that movie now. Right. And the same is to be said for some music. And again, I'm going to date myself and I'm an old guy and fine. I don't care because that's what I am. But there's a lot of the classic. I mean, rock and roll is a relatively new genre in music. And there's a lot of the stuff that was made early on in days of rock that is is just won't be couldn't be made now. And now today, a lot of the music today is really cookie cutter music and it goes out. And a lot of it, you know, is thrown against the wall and seeing what sticks. And again, it's a money, uh, money thing. And again, I'm trying not to go into this whole uh, opinion thing. I don't really want to do that. That's not my point. My point is that that at some point, <laughs> my point at some point, oh boy, uh, um, is that too much new is just not good, right? And and sometimes we need to go back and look at the old. Uh, t- sorry, now that I thought about it. <laughs> go back i'm gonna go back to a movie that i i really enjoyed in uh 2000 when um gladiator came out i really enjoyed that movie now i grew up with a lot of the old movies um the uh uh you know cast of thousands movies so the lawrence of arabia and the spartacus and you, you name it right and uh at some point you know when you're you know when they started making them when they made gladiator they felt that the time was right that they can go back and hearken to the past a little bit right it's these giant movies which which gladiator was kind of like and there's this huge battle at the beginning um they did focus on a story of one person so that it would take you through but it was a new movie right and it won the academy awards right and it was a very well done movie and one of my favorite movies it was a new movie that was able to uh, draw from the past and it drew really, really well. Right. And I think that's what made it very successful. And, and then from Gladiator, there's been a, you know, I think all the movies that we've been seeing today about, you know, like the Lord of the Rings and even the, the series on um, on stars, uh, Spartacus, the, the re- revamped version and anything about old like old movies and fa- fantasy movies, even Game of Thrones, I think can probably all. You know, uh, I'm going to say draw the origins to Gladiator and the popularity of Gladiator. Uh, And then Gladiator is drawing itself from the past, from the movies from the 50s and the 60s. So uh, there are ways of making new things that draw from the old. And so going back to Brooks and um, Dave's uh, articles, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other discussions on the internet about this. These are just the two that I want to talk about or, you know, re- reference to. Going back into your old work and looking at things like are, can be enough to inspire you to create new work. You know, you can look back at your stuff and you say, you know what? I didn't realize I was doing that then. Or I don't remember that. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Look at where I was going with that. And I never quite finished that. Right now I'm writing this article for our collective's website. And I was going to use my street photography. I was, I was going to talk about street photography and then I'm going to talk about, um, you know, being inspired by old masters. And so and, and suddenly something wasn't going right about that. And then I, I decided that I wanted to talk about um, and this is 
based on some feedback Dave was giving me as I'm trying to write the article. I'm having a hard time. I'm not a writer, really. You know, it's kind of a hard thing for me to sit in front of a computer and write. But I want to write this 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 post for our um, collective site, you know, this article I'm going to put on there. And I, I realized I needed to go back and look at the pictures that I used to take of New York City, of Manhattan and Brooklyn and and realized where I was getting those pictures from. Where, where was that coming from? And so I started scoping out my archives, and I've got these great black and white imagery that I've made of various buildings and landmarks of, of New York and realizing like how I was inspired by uh, some of the older uh, master photographers, some of them who were in New York and some of them not, uh, because that's how I grew up. Like I told you in the first half, that's, that's my upbringing. And I'm looking at those pictures and realize, like, I haven't done any of those pictures lately. I haven't, I haven't really, you know, I've been so uh, wrapped up in, like, continuously shooting street pictures and realizing I can't do that every day. I can't shoot the same people day after day after day. I mean, that's my neighborhood. I walk around and do the same things. I can't, you know, at what point does it become oversaturated and to the point of, you know, an obsession, a, a bad obsession. Like, oh, it's that guy again on the street corner. What's the, you know, who cares? So looking, you know, as I'm researching this article, I'm realizing I have to go back and look at my old pictures because those are the ones I want to use for the article. And I'm like, geez, you know, I haven't, I haven't shot like that in a while, you know? And I really like my photography. I really like looking at what I was doing and, and thinking, where was I going with that? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm inspired by, you know, Bernice Abbott or, or some other photographer from the past who shot in New York, uh, or any of the, you know, any of the older pictures from New York, and maybe not even old pictures, but like stuff from my recent past, you know, photographers who, who photographed New York uh, and Brooklyn in, in my, you know, in, in my lifetime, you know, and and then looking at those shots and thinking, geez, I haven't done that kind of stuff in a while. So here it is, looking at old work, and the old work is, to me, is as valuable and is, and is timeless as anything I'm shooting now and thinking, A, I can get inspired by that. B, like, okay, well, now I've got some ideas of things to do. You know, I may not be able to do it today. I may, I may not be able to travel into the city and go and photograph these buildings or, you know, whatever, but it's in my mind now. It's like, I've been doing that before and I can do that again. So I, I really want to pose this to, to those of you who are listening to try to think about getting out of this, having to do something new every day. Now, I think some people react to this by going and shooting film, right? Uh, film becomes this thing, especially today, film's expensive to, to shoot, expensive to process. <clears throat> and, excuse me, you know, uh, you, you have to be very deliberate about this. And I don't think you need to go to film to be able to to do what I'm talking about. In fact, in, in, a, in another uh, blog entry that Dave wrote. He actually uh, posits about using your instead of shooting film, use your phone as a substitute for a film camera. It's a very interesting read. I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes for that for that uh, for that post as well. Uh, it got me thinking about things as well. Um, but this idea that you know, yeah, carry your camera around with you all the time. I always tell my students to go. You know, you you, you can't not be with a camera. Now I know people have phones now, and that's sort of a default setting. Uh, so you do always have a camera with you that you can work with, you know, and, you know, it's great to take pictures every day. You know, uh, it, it keeps your eye sharp, uh, keeps you looking at things. But 
this drive to co-create something new every day. I mean, we can take pictures as a learning process. We can move on. We can record things. We can say, oh, I wonder what that looks like when I photograph it. doesn't mean you got to post it and show it to the world. You can just do it. But we're sort of caught into this cycle of new, 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 new. And I, and I gave you some examples, you know, movies and, and, and music and, and whatnot. And I'm sure we can go on, you know, even like, <laughs> sorry, but like, even like buying a new car, people buy cars, new cars every two or three years. I'm like, what the hell is that? I mean, I've got a car, an old, I want to say a junker. It's not a junker. It's, it, it's not in great shape. It was a 96, it's a 96 Buick. <laughs> so it, and I'm not, personally, my wife and I are not the kind of people we need to have a new car. We're not, our car is not a status symbol. We use it as a vehicle to get us to places. Yes, I would love to have a new car. I'm sure all the new safety features and all, you know, all the stuff that we get from technology and stuff like that. But this the world we live in, especially in the United States and the West, is new, 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 and, and get rid of old, right? Old, old, old. I mean, we do it with our people, too, right? People get stuffed into, into you know, old age homes, right? And, and we tend to forget that there's a wealth of knowledge in, in people. And there's a wealth of knowledge in old, you know? And, and don't give up on yourself with that stuff, you know? Listen to to Brooks and 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 read what what Dave has got to say. It makes sense. I mean, if you've been doing this for a while, you have an archive of work. Go back and look at that. There's a lot of pictures that you haven't you haven't looked at, or paid attention to. Look at them. Look at them in a different way. Look at them. Do you start to see uh, patterns and stuff that you're shooting? Now, this is helpful to have a, a digital asset management program like Lightroom or something similar where you can start seeing things together and it's one of the things i like about lightroom and, and and this is one of the reasons why my library is so large in it is that i i tend to keep one library for all my pictures i don't break them up over years now you're going to hear people who say you know it's too big and blah blah, blah. and i agree it is very big and it, it does slow down the program somewhat and yet it is able i'm able to go through and not have to with less energy have to go back and look at my archives and i can see things together and uh it's not the best system, you know. Uh, I there, I wish there was a better way of doing this, but it was really nice to be able to see, like, oh, this is where I was going in that direction. I still have that in me. I still have that desire to shoot, like, old New York buildings or present them in such a way that, that you haven't seen before, or at least I haven't seen before. I haven't I haven't done them before. So having a program, you know, uh, like that where you can see your work over time and, and see how you've grown, uh, and then and revisit old work and realize like, hey, you know, I never showed that shot. You know, I never I never printed this image before. The world hasn't seen this stuff. I, you know, I sort of bypassed it because I keep trying to do something new. So I want to just put it out there in the world as I try to try to give up on everything that is is new and try to stop creating new. Not, well, no, wrong. Not stop creating new. Always keep creating. Right. Sorry, I'm just talking because I'm, <laughs> I'm just winging it here. I can talk weird. Always keep creating, right? We got to keep doing that. Uh, I don't not shoot every day, but try not to get caught up into this idea that you have to show something new all the time. You know, if, if it's 10 years old and you haven't shown it, it is new to the world. We haven't seen it, you know? We haven't seen these things that you did 10 years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago. It's new to us, so... That, in a sense, is a new picture, right? So don't get caught up. In, in, and you know what? I'm actually saying this more for myself than to you guys, although hopefully you'll hear it in, in some way and take it for yourself. Don't keep 
trying to make something new and impress people every day. It, you're not going to get anywhere. And in fact, if anything, you're losing a little bit of yourself in the whole process. And and all you're doing is trying to one up the next person or try to get some sort of validation. And and we're not here to do that. We're here to create. We're here to share our vision uh, of the world with people. And that vision is consistent throughout your entire life, right? And and it's evolved, it's changed, but it's your vision. And it's always been your vision. And if you show people your vision over time, you know, it, it can be accepted as new work, as, as something new, right? So don't get sucked up into Instagram or, or Facebook and, and, and new, 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 okay? And I say this for all the things, you know, you know, go back and look at old things as well there's inspiration i recently in the past year have been looking at older photographers doing deep dives you know i told you guys about in older photographers and and just looking at their work they've been around for a long time it, it inspired me and very inspiring to create something new so yeah uh don't not create new things create new stuff but also remember you've got stuff that you've been doing over the time period and a lot of us haven't seen it right and so go back into time Share some of that stuff, right? See it and, and 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 live it. Look at your own stuff and see if you can get inspired by your own work. So anyway, I hope that wasn't sort of a rambling <laughs> left field kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it was what I've been thinking about. And I'm glad I had the opportunity to, to share that with you. And so I managed to, to actually talk for a while. Um, so that's it for today. I'm going to come back uh, middle of April. It's going to be tax time. So oh, forget it. <laughs> But anyway, uh, a couple of things. Um, look, if you get it, the best thing you guys can do for me is help support the show is by telling other people about the show. I want more people listening to the show. And if you really like it, please share it with your friends. So, you know, uh, when I post a show to Twitter or to Facebook, you know, can you share the links? That would be the best way to do it. And look, if you do like the show, go to iTunes, give me ratings, you know, feedback, anything. You know, I like to improve the show. I hope that you guys still find it interesting. But if you go to iTunes and give me a, you know, a rating and a review, maybe I can get this to be more popular. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> and the other thing is, um, yeah, you know, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say something, but the show's over. Uh, like I said, switch to manual.com uh, under under review. Not sure um, where we're going with that yet, where I'm going with that. Excuse me. But if you need to find me, I'm on Twitter at AM Rosario. I'm still on Twitter at switch to number two manual. Uh same names for for um uh, instagram and uh on facebook you know you can find me at rosario photo i like facebook i still i post there a lot and i don't know uh we'll see what goes on uh as time goes on but you know we're getting close to my 100th show so uh, that's going to happen this year at some point i'm getting really excited and i've never done something so consistently over time so i'm really really uh, other than being married for this is a uh, shoot 20th anniversary is coming up uh, this year so uh you might not hear from me in june i don't know uh, i better do something good for my anniversary but anyway uh thanks for listening like i said share share this if you like the episode with your friends and uh, help me get the word out it's a lot harder to do it by myself so anybody in the audience can help out um i really appreciate that and, and even more so than you know throwing some money in the tip cup i i rather have you guys spread the word about the show and uh you know, if you've got people who think would be great on the show, drop me a line uh, and uh, I'll see if I can get them on and would love to talk to them. So anyway, thanks a lot and I will uh, see you in April and adios. <laughs>